0: Hmm? Ah! Huh.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Peggy. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Apple TV show, Lisi's
2: Story. This week we are covering episode four entitled Jim Dandy. <sighs> this
1: one's not dandy at all. No.
2: <laughs> Oh, man. It's
1: not dandy. Um, This was kind of an intense episode, Paik. I'm telling you, um, I think uh, our friend Greg left a comment um, on our chat thread in Discord and mentioned something that he felt this episode should have come with a trigger
2: warning. What do you think? I saw that, too. And I was (laughs) like, I was kind of in the same boat as you were. I was like, well, I haven't watched it yet after he posted that. And I was like, but uh, it's good to know because, yeah, I already kind of figured it was going to be at least high on the creep factor and ick factor if the episode is titled after our good friend jim dooley here so uh Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, this was a tough one uh tough one to watch so everyone should just you know kind of be prepared there's you know some some you know a violent attack you know um in this episode that we're going to talk about and and yeah if you haven't watched it yet um You should be warned. I mean, I know that they always have those warnings, you know, like violence or sexuality and those kinds of things. You should, in this episode, take that literally.
2: Yeah. Um, Um, I think we've kind of had (laughs) every episode. So I think it's Uh for those who are following along and watching the show week by week and listening to us now, I think, yeah, it's probably pretty safe to say, like, it's going to be touching and showing some pretty, like, tough and, you know, sensitive Topics, so
1: yeah, at least really sure. sure.
2: it's it's going to be a rough one in some places for for one reason or another.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's kind of on par with you know Stephen King. You mm-hmm. know, he has violent things that he writes about, and you know it can be it can be kind of brutal. And yeah. you know this series just because it's on TV doesn't really shy from that. So, mm-hmm. so general thoughts about the episode before we get into our top five.
2: Yeah. Um, it was the creepiest episode so far,
1: mm-hmm.
2: for sure. Because I, cause I you know I saw Stephen King tweeted the night that it came out. Whatever he was on Twitter, and he was just like, "Tonight's the mo- a terrifying one." Mm-hmm. Like he was hyping it up and being like, "This one, this one is absolutely terrifying, and this one's really creepy." And so then after watching it, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was definitely." Yeah,
1: he was not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It was. Um- I think there were some enlightening moments, um, unrelated to that particular, you know, scene and, and time of events. But later on, like in the second half yeah. of the, the episode, I think there were some enlightening moments, kind of finding out some more things, and you know, certainly has opened up for more questions. And you know, i I feel like we're just not. I think this episode is an episode by episode. You kind of take it as it comes. I I know that we have a lot more questions and I think that's kind of how it's meant. It's not, we're not meant to like figure it all out right now. We're kind of getting like these little pieces episode by episode because I certainly don't really know where it's going. I can speculate, but I I don't really have a lot of good guesses. Um, but yeah, kind of brutal. Um, there was some brutal moments for sure and kind of hard to watch, but, um, but I think they they filmed them in an interesting way. I think it was interesting the way that they um, have, you know, the director has his approach of how he decides to, you know, take that singing and how he's going to translate that. So yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about it. That sounds weird to say that, but I mean, I'm <laughs> ready to, to dive into it and um, dissect it and see if we can't figure out a little bit you know, what's going on here. So, um, with that being said, pick what is your number five.
2: All right. My number five. I, uh, I have some really like quick ones to start with. Okay. Again, this show has been very, like every episode is focused mainly on like two storylines at a time
1: Mm -hmm. and it
2: doesn't do a whole lot of jumping around. And so it's been hard for me to be like, okay, what are five completely separate topics to talk about?
1: Yeah, But, uh,
2: so, you know, I kind of had to work on my notes a little bit to be like, well, I can take this one note and turn it into an entire topic. <laughs> we'll we'll figure that out. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, but, we like to talk pick. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, we like, to- <laughs> think we'll make
2: it. So this first one, my number five is just a thought of what do you think the significance is of the lighthouse?
1: Gosh, you know what? That's really interesting that you brought that up because I kept looking at that and I don't know. I was thinking, so Let's think about the basic purpose of a lighthouse. That's what I was trying mm-hmm. to think of whenever yeah. you know we we kept whenever it would switch on by itself and the little light would go. Yeah. Is it So it's what essentially and I didn't look this up, but it's to help sailors know that they're close to land. How close is the land yeah. to where they're at, right? That they're almost yeah, home, if it's like or maybe like a beacon to home.
2: Yeah, if it's like really foggy thinking. or, you know, bad rainy or whatever, where it's hard to see, mm-hmm. then it's, yeah, it's that light is there. So you can kind of judge the distance for how close, you know, you are, but also it's usually the land right there, the shore and a lot of those areas are very rocky and dangerous. And so you make sure that you're not too close to it. So you don't run into the rocks and, and destroy your boat.
1: Right. So with that being said, mm-hmm. is it is it like, you know, like a beacon? Maybe that, you know.
2: Yeah, because it, it, we've seen it now a couple of times that it mm-hmm. randomly comes on after she walks past it to go back down the, down the stairs. And then as she walks by, once she's out of like the area of seeing it, then it just turns on and starts circling the room. And so it's like, is it an ominous thing or is it a good thing? And that's where I'm, I'm questioning is like, you know, could it be a signal of Lisi being close to, you know, connection to Booyah Moon or something, whether it's like Scott reaching out to her or a connection of her world reaching out, or is it more something, you know, ominous of something else looking for her from that other side?
1: Right. I thought of that, too. I thought, is, is that what Scott's maybe way of trying to signal something? You know, it could be, you know, it could be we were reaching too much as far as, like, the purpose of a lighthouse. It could just be some sort of, you know, um, method of reaching out, like you said. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, something more ominous on on the other side. mm mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. I I'm not yeah. sure. I don't know the answer. Yeah, to this that, is, but it's, I think it's I an interesting observation. <laughs> it's yeah, an
2: make, interesting make a whole point of it. But I'm like, I don't. I don't have any answers even for my own question. Well, I it's think just it's that, like, worth mentioning. Yeah, because yeah, like every episode we've seen it, mm-hmm. like turn on either by itself or I think Jim turned it on once and was mm-hmm. watching it. But every episode so far that they've had a moment where we're just focused in on watching it spin for a little bit.
1: Well, and I think. If we've learned anything, um, you know, covering something that's from Stephen King is something like the, the details mean something. You know, yeah. these things mean something. We keep we're we're being shown it on purpose. Otherwise, why would we why would it keep being brought up into focus? So
0: yeah. it means
1: something, but we don't <laughs> know yet. So I think it's definitely worth mentioning and kind of just having that on the list of, OK, we've got this lighthouse. It's turning on on its own. You know, it's happening maybe during these certain events, or when Lisi is crossing it, or maybe when we're talking about Booyah Moon, and you know, um, ha, you know how to get there, or if she's having memories of having been there, or something. You know, maybe there's a connection there somewhere.
2: So yeah.
1: I think you're on to something.
2: <laughs> what? It Not is. a big point, but something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. It's something worth, <laughs> like I said, worth mentioning. So I like it, like it, like it. Well, I just want to go ahead and start with The Attack um, is my All number right. five. Just want to go ahead and talk about it and put it out there. Um, so, I you know, I have to say, I, and I think I mentioned it in um, our previous podcast, or at least one of our previous podcasts um, talking about this, is, uh, you know, feeling kind of frustrated that Lacey was not taking this threat from Dooley more seriously. Um, you know, it, she seemed to kind of brush it off and, you know, Not see it as a a total threat. And I don't know if it has to do with, you know, like the last episode, we learned that Scott would kind of maybe laugh off some of his fans that were a little, like, different or Mm -hmm. obsessive. And he – because he even had a nickname for him, right? He called him Deep Space Cowboys. Yeah. Um, Was she just used to that? Like, he's like, oh, I'm used to dealing with my overly crazed fans. And they're just, you know – he he didn't maybe he didn't take them as seriously, and so maybe that's where she's getting that from. The cops didn't really seem to take it very seriously. I mean, they were like, "Well, yeah. we'll assign you someone." It seems like a credible threat, but I mean, considering what we saw here in this episode, clearly mm-hmm. it was more than just a credible threat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was some serious,
2: definitely, you know, um, this was a
1: serious attack. Um, and then you know, Dooley he shows up because he. Thinks that he's like, Well, you didn't take my psychological attack very seriously. Like, he was trying to just really mess with her and get to her by, Mm -hmm. you know, he invaded her home. He cooks up the bird and leaves it in her mailbox. And she still just dismisses him. So Mm -hmm. he, in turn, decides, Well, you know, I'll be seeing you soon. It was so freaking scary. His um, voicemail. um, Oh, yeah. Just. The way that he talks, you know, it just really gets to me. But (laughs) so he decides to show up and say, well, you didn't take me messing with your head to heart and you still didn't do what I wanted you to do. So now I'm going to have to show up and resort to some physical violence. And it was really brutal Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: it was tough to watch. And he did not let up. I mean, this guy, I mean, clearly has some issues. I mean, I that's not an argument or anything like that, but like it wasn't like he could just hit her like once or something. I mean, he really repeatedly hit her over and over and over. And you could just see this look in his eye that he's got some like true anger issues. There's something going yeah. on in there that he was kind of letting all of that out on her. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem like, cause it seems like he's like, I'm just here to kind of do a job. I'm just here to get you to change your mind. You know, yeah. once he once he got going, he couldn't stop. Is what it seemed yeah.
2: like. Yeah, there's definitely um, some pent up mm-hmm. something in him that I think his um anger and hatred and disgust towards women in particular I think definitely stems from something else other than just this situation with the widow of Scotland and like I agree. I think there's something else in his past and some other twisted stuff that he has dealt with or put on to other people that that is at play here too. And I don't, I don't yeah. know if we'll see that or anything but I kind of hope not, really, to be honest, but Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, he he beats her up and that's after he puts a bag over her face to
2: mm-hmm.
1: make her pass out, which really frustrated me. I don't know if it's a reaction that you just don't think about it in the moment. I mean, I can't imagine how scary it would be to have a bag placed over your head and not being able to breathe, but I wish she would have just like, just tear at the mouth, t- <laughs> tear a hole. Yes. Yeah. Where her mouth is. I thought, why aren't you grasping at that? Trying to tear a hole in the bag up by your face or up by your mouth so you can breathe um that was a little bit frustrating
2: for me yeah because i'm watching her hands i was like is that, why is she not doing that i was thinking yeah. the same thing
1: i mean so i feel like that might be your first reaction right Is if someone puts a bag over your face and you just you all of a sudden kind of go back to their hands and you're trying to maybe get their hands and grasp their hands and loosen mm-hmm. their grip on you maybe but i'm like okay so that's not working start clawing at the plastic start it didn't look like a very thick plastic it looked like it would be something that she could tear very easily so yeah i was kind of frustrated with that but i thought well okay we're not supposed to think about that i guess so so that was after she'd had the bag on her head she gets beat up terribly um it was hard to watch and it was interesting the way that they filmed it because you couldn't exactly see what Dooley was doing to her it's like you got his perspective and you could see him like hitting her but you couldn't see her face you couldn't actually see the contact and then you would see like the back of her head and kind of get her perspective a little bit. But the way that they filmed it was kind of interesting. I think the way that they did that, but it it's like when you're watching something and you think if I just close my eyes for a few seconds, it'll it'll stop and go away. This didn't just stop and go away. Yeah. Um, And then he busts out the pizza cutter. I mean, my
2: god, -hmm.
1: what the hell we saw that pizza cutter earlier, I think in one of the first two episodes and it's like, Hmm. Okay. And then it comes back and he decides to cut up her chest with a pizza cutter. I mean, she is absolutely brutalized. Yeah. You know, by the end of this episode. So um just wanted to kind of talk about that and the severity of that and the the violence against her. Um and I think just another thing of what she's going through Mm -hmm. and having to deal with in this episode. Yeah. So pretty pretty tough. Um did you have any thoughts that you want to add to that, or?
2: Comments? Um, I have my whole number one is just titled Jim fucking dandy, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but it, I can you know I kind of go over not even just that one situation, but like everything about him. So I don't know. We might even be able to hold off on some of that, but at least we can, that
1: he's, he's one of my points too. Yeah, yeah. To talk but that, about that him.
2: situation, yeah, you mentioned the voicemail and like mentioned she was kind of you know. you know, putting stuff off. Even after the voicemail, she goes, yeah, fuck you, Jimmy. And then when she hears his voice in the room with her after that, and then you, that's, I think that's like one of the first times, I mean, yeah, she was like definitely really like skeeved out whenever she found the the crow and all that stuff like that messed with her. But to see the actual look of terror on her face when she realized Jim was in the room with her Mm
0: -hmm. and she
2: didn't know what was about to happen because she, and like, it was almost like she didn't even know where it came from. She was so taken aback by it to where he was able to sneak up on her. And yeah, that was, that was, I think that was like a moment where she really realized, oh no, this guy is serious and this is not good.
1: Yeah. Totally right. Totally right.
2: But yeah, that, that whole scene other than, and it's not even the physical abuse, but even tearing her down. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, you know, with the yo-yo again, the creepy yo-yo. And he's like, you know, this came from, you know, it's a book, one of Scott Landon's books, because the character did this or whatever. And he's like, but it also reminds me, you know, this character from this book where, you know, he was, you know, in the, you know basically just using all these different references to to put her down in different ways. And then, again, kind of that line that even Dashmiel kind of used on her where he's like, you know, you just kept his bed warm, but you weren't really... You know, anybody important. She's like, no, we were partners and we, you know, confided in me, whatever. And then he says, enough of your bitchery, which was such a weird, (laughs) I've never heard that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He speaks the the, the terms and words and phrases that he uses are just very different. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then he was like, "I'm, I'm sorry to use language like that, but I just, you know, you have to call things what they are. And it's like, oh, my God, dude. Yeah. And his secret secrets. Yeah, way to go. Thanks for taking one of my favorite lines from The Office and ruining it forever and making it creepy. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> it makes everything creepy.
2: Uh, which I, I did a little bit of dig- digging on, because I was like, I know that before, because I've heard it. Oh, there's an episode of The Office that is it, a fun quote from there when they use the secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. Which is funny, but also kind of ominous and creepy if you think about it. Because mm-hmm. I think... All I could find is it's like an old children's nursery rhyme type thing.
1: Oh, okay.
2: But because I was going through it on Google trying to find an origin of it. I couldn't really find much. But then it got to the Mm. point where I was seeing secret secrets on my screen so much that, you know, the word secret stopped looking like a word. You ever know that situation? You're like, what is this? I guess I was like, okay, I've gone too deep. I can't find anything. We're moving on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, roadblock. Yeah, Yeah. totally. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that must have been from something. Um, where he picked mm-hmm. it up or whatever, so that that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. So so yeah, pretty pretty brutal attack um, that Lee has been through. So I'm kind of ready to see where where she goes from that. Um, and yeah. if, if he's made his point, I guess.
2: Yeah, which that is whole what he's trying to do. Disgusted me enough to where it, it brought me into the sh- you know show enough where I was like, ooh, I really hope we get to see him. Get Some comeuppance, get his mm. consequence at some point in the show because of I feel this. Like he's
1: gotta die now. I mm-hmm.
2: mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, those moments sure. in the show, where you're like, okay, well, this character has to die now, or I will be forever unsatiated, unsatiated mm-hmm. by the story. Um, agreed, <laughs> gotta get rid of him.
1: Agreed. Um, so what is your number four?
2: All right, my number four is another quick, short one, but mm-hmm. it is Amanda. Okay. And a couple of little things about her. Mainly, I thought it was really interesting that during this attack, so it kind of ties in, is it cuts over to Amanda. And while she's, like, in this double situation, she has this, like, connection where she can sense and hear Lisi being hurt. And she knows that something's wrong. And she's kind of, oh, no, Lisi. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she knows while she's sitting there at the pool at Booyah Moon and while she's in her, you know, psychiatric hospital.
1: Catatonic state, yep.
2: Both, in both cases, you can tell she's, like worried and nervous and is like, Oh no, Lisey's in trouble. Like she knows what's going on. There's a connection there. And again, it's one of those things was like, I don't have any answer for you, but I think it's really interesting and something worth pointing out to be like, what's the significance of this?
1: Yeah. Um I, yeah, she's my number two. And I, I think, well, one, I want to say, I think it was really good to see Joan Allen. Um, we got to mm-hmm. see her as a lucid version You know, of, of, of Amanda and I think Joan Allen did, you know, a great job. I know we've been talking about her frequently um, in this role and this time we get to see a lucid version of Amanda Yeah, and how she was, I thought it was really interesting how she openly talks about her breaks from reality Mm -hmm. um, and her cutting, you know, this seems to be something she struggled with for a long time. Uh, Her family's well aware of it. Um, and she talked very openly about, you know, when I retreat, this is what happens and this is what it's like for me. And, you know, it's easier for me to come back after I've cut myself. And it just, it was kind of, kind of shocking, but yet kind of refreshing and to see her talk openly about it, I guess. Um, but yeah. you know, we, we do learn more, uh, a little bit about how Amanda and Scott they had a connection, you know, they Mm -hmm. had a special connection, which we've, we've seen uh, a little bit, you know, before in previous episodes, we just keep getting like these little pieces. Um, So Scott talked to Amanda kind of like the way he talked to Lisey. I mean, there were differences. I think there were maybe some different things that he told them, but he seemed to be open with Amanda, you know, Mm -hmm. about certain things. So Amanda knew some things about him as well. And, you know, it was, I liked seeing that conversation between Amanda and, and Lisi when she goes to her for help. She's like, yeah. you know, I know that he talks to you and 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 has he said anything to you? And, you know, I know Amanda kind of takes it as, well, you're just coming to see me because I'm the crazy one in the family, right? And, yeah. and she's like, well, no, I need to talk to someone. I know he talks to you and I'm looking, you know, she's just looking for some insight, some help into in case he has told her something that he hasn't confided in, in Tilly, because I think that happens sometimes, right? You know, you may not always confide everything 100 with your, you know, with your spouse if you've got a person who feels like they understand you. Um, but you know, we trying to figure out, you know, Amanda being caught at Booyah Moon, and she's there at the facility, and she's in like a catatonic state, and she seems to be stuck. And I and I'm wondering with everything that Lisi is learning and remembering, because she's remember mm-hmm. she remembered a lot more in this yeah. episode. Is she supposed to learn how to bring Amanda back? Is this to help her save Amanda?
2: That could be. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about that because I think kind of what Amanda is kind of similar to Scott in mm-hmm. that fact that they, she's at risk of, of gone, of mm-hmm. being gone. And I think that's, You know, Scott was always worried about that because we see in that flashback, that's kind of Scott was the same thing where he was there, but he was just staring off into space and completely unresponsive until Lacey really connected and was talking him through this stuff and then squeeze my hand if you are gone, if you need to come home. And he's Mm -hmm. there, but he's not there. And I think and it's the same thing that we're seeing with Amanda. So I'm sure they had talked about this situation because you know, that's this whole bull hunt thing was like, yep. oh, it's happening again, isn't it? This was set up for when this happened to Amanda again, if it did.
1: Right. Yeah. So I know we, I think kind of mentioned something about that last week or, or you did like, well, what is this version of Scott? We see Scott there at Booyah Moon. Is mm-hmm. that like a double of him? Is that a version of him? Is that him just stuck there? Did he really die or, you know, did he die? But a part of him stayed there. I mean, I don't know. We I'm don't, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally spitballing here. None of it might make, or might not make any sense. But I'm just throwing these things out because we still don't know how Scott died. We are in episode four, and we don't know that yet. Um, yeah, and he's been gone for two years, but we don't know how. But we're seeing this part of him over here. And so is is she going through what she's going through to save Scott? Can she bring him back, or is it just to save Amanda? Is she learning these things because we didn't get to see it yet? But I'm I'm thinking that whatever she did to save Scott that time in that flashback when he's you know mm-hmm. squeezing her hand because she says you know I saved you twice yeah you know I loved you I saved you twice the first time I think was you know with the gunshot and then. Mm-hmm the second time was when he's in this catatonic state and she brings him back. And I feel like it has something to do with Amanda. And yeah. I think, so I don't know, but um, yeah.
2: it could be, that, that could be the point instead of trying to save Scott, like I was saying last week is, yeah, it could be, you know, he might be gone for good, mm-hmm. but he has a way of at least having her save Amanda by remembering all of these things.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah I like Cause
2: it. there's, like a connection, I don't know, to people. Because again, going back to the what I first started with was Amanda knowing something was wrong with Lisey when she's being attacked.
1: Mm-hmm. Is
2: It's like, does Booyah Moon then create some kind of supernatural connection with people through it, even when they're outside of it? Or you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot mm-hmm. of questions still. So
1: many questions. <laughs> and still not enough information um, provided. I like it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, my number four um, is Jim Dooley right. to kind of take a closer look at him. Um, this this guy, I mean, I feel I already felt he was pretty creepy and he just firmly establishes this next level creepiness for me in this episode, the way that he can be like he's quiet and mm-hmm. calm and in his own way respectful in a way like when Lisi's like, I'm thirsty. And he's like, we can fix that. And he goes yeah. and gets her a Gatorade and gives her a drink, you know? So it's like. Always
2: referring to her as miss. mrs
1: Mrs. <laughs> oh my God. The way that he calls her Mrs. Just totally <laughs> drives me bonkers. I'm like, there's like a total mm-hmm. creep factor with, with how he says it. So yeah. Yeah. But. And that's one thing that bothers me. It's like he's acknowledging – he's calling her Mrs. because she's Mrs. Scott Landon. Mm-hmm. But he totally dismisses her her role in Scott's life as his yeah. wife, as his partner. He seems to not – he's like, yeah, you were his wife, but all you did was warm his bed. He doesn't seem to acknowledge that there was you know, a true marriage, a true relationship, and – you Know so, yeah, that's totally creepy. Um, but yeah, he does mm-hmm. at least acknowledge her as Mrs., which is creepy. But it, but you know, he can go from quiet, very calm, and then the next he's like totally brutalizing her with a pizza cutter and mm-hmm. beating her senseless. He's like headbanging to the song. Uh, yeah, that's the
2: wrong kind of music to dance like that to, Jim. I don't know. I, it, I've you- never
1: <laughs> done any headbanging to that kind of music. I'll, yeah admit to that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was interesting.
2: Save that whenever you're in the pit for hate breed. I don't know what you're doing there. <laughs> right, right. Um,
1: Love the head banging. I'm just questioning, questioning the, the selection of music that he's doing. Right. too. Um, and then the way that he gets super intense when he is talking about his favorite book and the scene in the book, that was his favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this guy, I mean, I think he would make Annie Wilkes question her level of fandom.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't know. And I mean, that was pretty intense, right? I mean, who, mm-hmm. when, when you're talking a crazy obsessed fan, especially in the Stephen King world, we think of Annie mm-hmm. Wilkes. I think yeah. he definitely gives her a run for her money. Oh, with, yeah. With his sure. level. And I think he's got some daddy issues. Uh, when he does talk about his favorite book and when he talks about the character, what Gene says to his father when he leaves, mm-hmm. and he says he doesn't understand the duty of love. And I think that he feels that Scott, the reason I don't know this, this is totally, and I could be wrong, so I'm I'm fine with that. I'm just going on feelings. I feel like one of the reasons he feels like this super close connection to Scott and why he feels like so protective of Scott once more of Scott's words out in the world is that Scott gave him the words for how he felt when he didn't have them himself. You know what yeah. I mean? Do you know, like, because?
2: go yeah. ahead. Oh, I say, yeah. Cause Scott Landon, we, we see because there's Banella in his books, which was Booyah mm-hmm. Moon. Like he wrote his own personal experiences into his characters and his books. A lot like Stephen King does in a lot of ways, especially with this story. And so I'm sure that, yeah, through the Scotland Landon books and those series and stuff, he was very open about his contentious relationship and troubling relationship growing up with his dad. Mm-hmm. And so for someone like Jim Dooley to be reading this stuff and, and connect with Scott Landon in that way, being like, he gets me. There's somebody who had a rough relationship with his father and was able to come out on top. So this is the hero that I need in my life right now.
1: Right. And we've all probably experienced that in some way, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you and I have talked on a previous podcast about, you know, you and I are big music lovers, right? So yeah. we identify, or at least we feel like we identify with artists in our life. And mm-hmm. and I don't know, this. a lot of people can probably relate. I know I can fumble with words sometimes. Sometimes I don't have the words to say, but man, sometimes you listen to that one song and it says mm-hmm. exactly like what's on your mind and, but you don't have those words, but those words are how you feel. And if you were able to express them, that's exactly what you would say or how you would say it. Right. So that's what I was thinking of. Like with Jim Dooley is like, he is, he's reading these words on this paper that Scott has put out there and he's thinking, man, this dude is in my head. This is exactly how I feel. Or, this is what I wish I could say, but I can't. And so he feels like this ultimate connection with Scott Landon. And it just happens to be he's crazy <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's definitely unhinged. So it just goes the wrong way, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, you or I, at least as far as I know, I feel like I can speak this to be pay because we haven't like stalked anyone. We haven't, you no. know, done any of these, cra- <laughs> you know, these you know, uh, (laughs) unhinged levels of, of fandom, you know, other than just, you know, love to listen to maybe a certain song or something over and over again Mm -hmm. and feel like we have that connection or that someone kind of gets, gets you a little bit. Um, so that's kind of the difference, you know, is, is depending on someone's, you know, um, mentality, I guess in, in, in all of that. So that's how I was kind of relating to that. I was like, okay, I feel like I'm You know, maybe seeing a little bit of not understanding because I don't think he's worth understanding. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that villains always need um, like an explanation of how they get to be that way. I think sometimes it's a little bit creepier when they don't like there's no reason why he is the way that yeah. he is.
2: I don't think there's gonna be a big turning point in this series where we empathize with Jim Dooley and go, no. Oh, now it all makes sense. Now I feel so sorry for him, yeah. that poor man. I don't think that's gonna happen for me. I
1: don't <laughs> think so either. Um and and I don't we don't always need that. I don't we don't yeah. a villain doesn't always need a backstory. We don't always need to see their side of the story. We don't always need to know their motivations. I think it's scarier when they don't have a motivation, <laughs> yeah. honestly. And I feel like right now that's kind of where we're at with Dooley. But anyway, he's got something going on. But I feel like at least kind of seeing like, well, what the hell is his problem with Scott Landon? Why is he so obsessed over this guy? And I feel like that's kind of what it, what I saw in this episode anyway. And he yeah. seems to think that Lisi has these stories that are hidden, which have we established that? Do we know that? Do we know did I miss something where we know that he does have like a novel that he hasn't finished or short stories or are those the assumptions that meal is making? Yeah.
2: I think it was all just speculation. Okay. But then in this episode, you know, while this horrific kind of torture scene is going on, Lisi does say, Oh, you know, there's a there's a sequel to relics in there. And there's <laughs> There's this, and I don't know whether she means it or not. I mean, I don't, I don't know any reason why she would need to lie about something like that. I'm Mm -hmm. sure she is like, yes, there is all of this stuff in there, but she doesn't really, again, it doesn't, she doesn't have to give a reason why she doesn't want it out. Right. It's not her, you know, it's not needed for her to give a reason and uh, explanation.
1: Right. Well. It's not
2: Jim's place to demand that of her
1: exactly well and i wondered is she being truthful like she's scared enough and she's like being truthful and and saying that or is she trying to buy herself some time
2: yeah i don't know maybe because
1: i was thinking i was like gosh have we heard that yet do we know for sure i mean there are boxes and boxes and files among files of um you know things in his like studio or office workspace whatever you want to call it but we don't know what's in there. And, I mean, she's had two years to go through it. I don't know when she started mm-hmm. or anything like that, but she said two years from him being gone uh, to, you know, go through some things and kind of take an inventory. And maybe there isn't anything. Maybe yeah. he didn't have any, you know, notes or unfinished books or drafts or anything like that. I mean, p- maybe people are just making assumptions that there's something there, but they feel like mm-hmm. they have the right to go through it. And, I mean, it's a little presumptuous for them to know what Scott would want. You know, maybe he didn't want anything released upon his death. Yeah. If something, I mean, maybe that mm-hmm. was something that, I mean, Lisey and Scott, it, it's hard to tell from the show. Cause when you see them in flashbacks, they look almost exactly the same, but yeah. I believe that they were supposed to have been married for like 20 or 20 plus years or something. So when we see them at the beginning of their relationship to where we see Lisey now, You know, there was like a 20 year relationship there. Who knows what they talked about during that time. Scott could have said, hey, if I ever die, don't don't let my shit out. Don't let anybody have Mm -hmm. a hold of it. I don't want it out. Whatever, wherever I'm at when I'm dead, whatever's been published is published. And I don't want any of it out or yeah, let it out to the world. I don't care. Let them have it. I mean, we don't know that she hasn't talked Mm -hmm. about it. She hasn't, like you said, given any kind of reason, which she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to tell anybody. Um, that was her husband. And like she said, they were partners and he confided in her, you know, and he's gone. So he can't, you know, it just, people have to kind of deal with it. But I was just curious. Yeah. I was like, gosh, did I miss something? It, was she maybe being factual about that? Um,
2: yeah. Well, he does to relics
1: or was she buying her time? Yeah.
2: Cause I know at least Jim has the little handful of papers while mm-hmm. he was dancing around like that, where he had read some of that. and. Yes. As much of a diehard as he is, he's read every book that Scott Landon ever put out multiple times, it seems. And so for him to be reading that out loud in front of her and being like, he is saying the words that I would never be able to say. Only someone like Scott Landon could put this kind of thought into words like this. And he's Mm -hmm. like, the world needs to see this. So it's, I think it was very clear there. At least that one, like, passage that he had in his hand was something that had never been read and heard before. And he was... Kind of worshiping that, you know, he's holding on to that. Like this, this is why I'm doing all of this is because the world needs this, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know. So I guess
2: how much of it's in there? I, yeah, we don't know. But
1: it could have just been pages. Mm-hmm. Could just been pages. Um, what he picked up and and read. And like I said, um, no one knows. And you know, why should they make assumptions? Just that he may have some unfinished work there. Might not have anything. Um, yeah. so I don't know. We'll see. Um, what is your number three?
2: My number three is another kind of quick one, but it is the long boy. Oof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've seen little glimpses of it here and there throughout the first few episodes, mm-hmm. but this was the first time we really focused in on it. we'd heard the term long boy before. Mm-hmm. Because um, Amanda's doctor mentioned in one of the first episodes that she was mentioning it by name. And, you know, I guess because she's at the pool, she's at Booyah right now in that double situation. So, but she knew what it was called. So her and Scott had had this connection there. But she had mentioned it. But then this episode was where they put two and two together. They're like, oh, yeah, that name that we've heard and this creature entity thing that we've seen glimpses of are one and the same that this is what this is, mm-hmm. is the long boy, which is way too terrifying of a thing to have such a goofy name. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would agree.
2: <laughs> yeah, because, uh, but, you know, that's kind of their goofy names. I mean, Booyah Moon is supposed to be a, a very childish thing. The Yum Yum Tree, like right. this world was something that Scott had experienced and explored as a little child with his brother. And so all of these names and things have just stuck over time because that's what they were known as in probably the most important relationship of his life was him and his brother. Mm -hmm. And so like keep calling, you know, keeping calling these things, these names is a connection he had with his brother through all of this. And so he kept it that way. Even though whenever he would write about them in his books, he would change them because at least he knew that like "Mm, other people who don't have that personal connection to it probably aren't going to think that's that clever.
1: Right. Got it.
2: But yeah. But what it is, it seems to me because I kind of noticed a little bit in those other glimpses, but now we really do see it's this giant like zombie looking creature, but it's made up of what looks like hundreds Mm -hmm. of human bodies that are all crying and moaning out. It's just like this walking massive pile of hell.
1: Yeah. And, and it and it can attack and cause yeah. harm because it attacked Paul.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Paul was like drawn to it. That was a scene that really creeped me out as well. They're mm-hmm. walking to the pool to heal Paul. And then Paul kind of hears the crying and moaning voices coming from it. And his eyes like changed. Like there's like this blue light kind of thing in his eyes. And he was almost, like, hypnotized, like, just drawn to it. Yeah. And it wasn't until he was hurt and injured again from it that he kind of snapped out of it and ran back to Scott. And that was that was really unsettling. But, you know, and then Lisi sees it when Scott and Lisey go back a second time for her. hmm And he's going to take her to the pool and show her these things. And then they run across it and they're able to escape by going back to the real world, remembering something, you know, tethering themselves back to reality or our world. And so she sees it and then she's like, that thing can't come over here. That can't cross over to this world, can it? And the best answer he has is it probably can't, which wow, that's that's real helpful, Scott. Eh, thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and I mean we saw a flash of it at uh, what was it the end of episode was it episode two?
2: Episode two. Yeah. yeah
1: when she was standing by the pool and she walked away and we saw a quick glimpse of it. Now how and where, I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know if I would assume that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there seems to be some kind of at least mental crossover Mm -hmm. because Scott says he sees it in a glass or in a mirror or, you know, while he's writing, That's one of the things that haunts him and comes to him is that long boy is something that kind of seems to reach out to him across the planes of existence here, even while he's just writing and working in normal life.
1: Yeah, that sounds pleasant.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because that's something I'd totally love to just see in a mirror every now and then. Sure. Sounds fun.
1: I'll I'll be sleeping just fine. Um. All good questions. Yeah, I think I've got more to say about him, but I'm gonna save it a little bit for one of my other points. Um All right. So my number three, um, I'm wondering, um, do you think Lisi can heal herself?
2: I I think so. Um because she seems to be you know, we see another like little flashback thing, Scott telling her, You're a natural at this. Mm-hmm. You you know, you even quicker than than Paul could that yeah. you've already been able to come here and and see the things that that you're seeing.
1: Good. Then I'm glad that I'm not too far off on a tangent because um, mm-hmm. you know we as as we've seen since the beginning, Scott keeps pushing her to remember these things, and yeah. she's going back to when Scott took her to Booyah Moon when we saw that from their honeymoon, and. As you said, he talks about how much of a natural it is, or for her, you know, to be able to go there. Paul couldn't get there as easy as what sh- what she does that if she just thinks about it, she can get there, but she's also able to just think of where they were um and still be tethered, you know, and it seems like that's also how she was able to kind of anchor Scott a little bit um mm-hmm. and you know see so he wouldn't be gone, as he said. Um, so I'm curious if she will use that knowledge and try to go there again and use those waters to heal herself. That's what she talks about a yeah. lot with, you know, Amanda, she's talked about it with Darla, you know, w- these waters have the power to heal, but they also have the power to fascinate. Um, and she knows that this is what Paul and Scott did when they were kids, you know, yeah. daddy cut deep, you know, and he would take Paul there to heal. And also it made me wonder a little bit, you know, we get a lot of her pool in this. Do you think maybe mm-hmm. somehow her pool is connected to the water there? I think so. So,
2: yeah, cuz we get like you mentioned in episode 2 when we kind of get that glimpse of the long boy through it cuz she is she's staring into their the swimming pool mm-hmm. and she's kind of seeing the reflection of Booyah Moon and things in it.
1: And we know that water kind of connects the the two, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like Again, it's not there by accident, so I, I have to kind of think about it. Um, and she says yeah. that she saves Scott twice: once when he was shot, when he got, and then when he got lost in Booyah Moon, you know, and that she was able to keep him grounded to this world. Um, if she, and I think mentioned it earlier, if like if she is able to go to Booyah Moon, which, will she be able to find and save Amanda? Is that what the purpose of all of this is? This whole bull hunt and. Scott making her remember these things um, to be able to save Amanda or maybe even Scott himself.
0: Yeah. That he's done this yeah, because he
1: he he knew eventually this place is going to overcome me. It's going to fascinate me when she says that the 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 pool there can heal you, but it can also fascinate. It, they get mm-hmm. too fascinated that they're unable to leave. I don't know. Yeah. Totally just literally just throwing things out
2: um sounds right sounds yeah good. <laughs> i don't know i'm just the best way to go is like well maybe that's what
1: working it out because yeah, that's, <laughs>
2: that's where we're left at the end of this episode is her mm-hmm. kind of in both you know the flashback and the current day where she's sitting by the edge of the pool all bloodied and cut and thinking about the time where she saved scott and so maybe that's leading her to be like i think maybe Because she makes that connection with Amanda, too. Yeah. Where she's thinking about like, oh, you know, I remember this was what happened to Scott. And this is exactly what's happened to Amanda because Amanda told me I want to come home. Mm -hmm. She's putting these little pieces together. So this could be her sitting here going, I could go in there and I could heal myself. And then I can find Amanda. Because I think that's what she ended up happening was going in and finding Scott. We don't see it because the episode ends as she turns on the running water and looks like she's about to try to go. Right. So I'm assuming next episode we will hopefully see her going to rescue Scott or what she did to pull him back. And then hopefully then through the rest of the episodes, then get her maybe trying to do a similar thing with Amanda.
1: I like that. I like that. Yeah. They, and they seem to be cutting off, like picking up right where they cut off. That's where we started. This episode was when Mm Lacey entered the uh, workspace. um, Yeah. And then all of a sudden then there she is. And then this episode starts. So they seem to be doing a really good job of kind of, jumping right in where they left off so yeah I'm, I'm anxious to see where the next episode if we get more of that and yeah. see how she was able to rescue scott and if that was if that's what she needs to do to go get amanda because i really think it is more about lisey and her sisters in the family i don't know if mm-hmm. somehow she's gonna be able to bring scott back or or not but Cause I don't know. I'm like, is he, is he really dead? She might not not be able to. Yeah. I mean, if he's dead, then that
2: form of him that's there. So I could even see something where if she goes back, she ends up reuniting and having to work with Scott to save Amanda, but then knowing she has to still leave him behind in the end or some Mm -hmm. kind of emotional thing like that. I feel, yeah, I could see it. I could
1: see that too. I could see that too. We're on the same page. Mm
2: -hmm. Good,
1: good, good, good. Um, all right. What about your number two?
2: So my number two ties right onto that. And it is kind of Scott and Lisey and her memories tied to what she remembers of him and what he's been leading her towards. And so I first I wanted to jump back to the opening credits sequence. Okay. Which I talked about in our first episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be totally off here. But <laughs> again, with most of our thoughts and assumptions. And at like, this no, point, I we're could not be. wrong. We're we're yeah. just, Yeah. <laughs> But I noticed, again, because, you know, I, I picked up on some of the, oh, yeah, like, you know, he pulls her through the water, and there's this connection there. But then I noticed, like, when the book kind of falls apart, and you, you see that, like, oh, that's, like, the life, because he, like, turns into the book.
1: I know, which, after you've pointed that out to me, <laughs> I saw, finally saw that. And I was like, God, pick, you're brilliant. So kudos again for yeah. that.
2: <laughs> but then that was like him dying. And so that moment where they're separated, mm-hmm. that's when her strings snap and she loses her ties to, to him. Ooh,
1: like untethered.
2: You know, untethered to his world. That's like she forgets all of these things that he had taught her and taken her through. Mm-hmm. And so then, but she falls. And when she falls in that opening credit, she's, you know, at Booyah Moon, you see the reflection of it. And so it's kind of one of those things where maybe she has her own connection to that place now. So it's going to pick her back up and re-tether those strings on its own.
1: Ooh. That's good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it's like when of was like, oh, man, I can find things even in the opening credits. And I think this show has done that really well, where there's all these little, like, through lines that if you're paying attention, you can find. I'll
1: say it, I, w- I don't discount anything. <laughs> at this point. And I feel like with Stephen King, you can't. So I think that is really great, great insight and something to think about.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Food for thought. And, uh, I love the the kind of working the flashbacks into current day, mm-hmm. the way they would do it. Like she was talking to Scott in her memories of him. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, looking at herself in the mirror, all just bruised and bloodied and cut. And then it flashes back to Scott, Landon's are fast healers. We had to be. And then she says out loud, but I'm only a Landon by marriage. Like she's talking to her memories of Scott, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. But, you know, Scott told her on their honeymoon when they went or whatever that she was a natural. And it freaked her out. She didn't want to be a part of it. But like, it it's there. She has that connection. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You're so right. Like he's trying to tell her, but she's like, well... I can't because I'm not a Landon, but she might not be a Landon, but she has the ability to get to Booyah Moon Mm -hmm. and get access to that pool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We get the return of the the concepts of the bad and the gone, and we get a little bit more insight on what that means. Mm -hmm. Scott tells Lisi that those were the two types of insanity are bad and gone and that they run in the blood. And so his is the gone. And maybe that would be Amanda's situation. Maybe he would attribute that to Amanda mm-hmm. as well. And then the bad insanity is probably something he would tie to his father or what his father said Paul had, even though I don't see any lick of bad in Paul in any of the flashbacks we've seen. He seems like the most perfect, loving, angelic, supportive brother I've ever seen in a flashback of a TV show.
1: Yeah, So I've yet to see what his father considers bad. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I don't know, but I, it was cool to kind of get a little bit more insight as to what those concepts mean to Scott. And let's see, Scott reveals some really interesting things. Uh, the fact that he took Paul to Buyamun Moon after he died, he took the body to Buyamun Moon and buried it there under, yeah. on Sweetheart Hill, which is that tree that they went to.
1: That's so I yeah, I'm like how I don't know how that works, but okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what's the connection? Because, you know, if you can bring a dead body from our realm there and leave it there, but then Scott follows that up saying, But he once took a flower from Booyah Moon back to their reality and it immediately died and it couldn't last there. Right. So what's the connection? You know, what what <laughs> what's the difference between these two worlds in those regards of life and death? Yes. So, yeah, those are just some of the main things that I pointed out, that there was a lot of important stuff that was coming back to Lisi Mm -hmm. while she's sitting there at that pool and kind of considering her memories, what she can do, healing, all of these things that are coming back to her. You know, whether, you know, did she travel to Booyah Moon by herself to save Scott from being gone? And will she end up having to go back now for her own healing to save Amanda? You know, maybe even Scott, because we don't know how he died is all of these questions that are still there but it's it's very intriguing to me
1: <laughs> very intriguing it's it's definitely keeping me watching week to week
2: mm-hmm.
1: to see what happens and you know we're we're almost at the halfway point it's only 8 episodes right yeah so yeah we've got a lot a lot more to go um i like it that was that was great um well my number 2 that's what we're on, right? Um, yeah. Was Amanda, which we have talked about, and I, I believe I've, I've talked everything I, I wanted to say about Amanda. So, um, what's your number one?
2: My number one is also something we've talked most about, so okay. it feels weird to kind of jump back into it. But That's okay. just a few extra notes about Jim fucking Dandy. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. He is just something I noticed. He is filthy, like his face, his hands under his fingernails. Yeah. Like it looks like the guy hasn't seen a shower in months Gross. at least. Like I just, yeah. It's just one of those little character traits that you're just like, uh, like he's as filthy on the outside as he is on the inside. Like, Oh yeah. And
1: a dirty bird.
2: Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we're making Annie Wilkes references. <laughs> yep. just kind of
1: stuck in my head, which I'm not sure is a good thing, but yep. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, something I did question earlier, but then I kind of answered for myself as I was wondering, well, why doesn't Jim, you know, why is he going through all this trouble? Why didn't he just take the papers and leave? Yeah. But then thinking about it more, if they're taken without express consent and permission of the rightful holder, then they would be considered stolen. And then his main goal is to get them back to the professor to publish and
1: That's true. show
2: somewhere. And if they're stolen, he can't do anything up. So ownership has to be transferred "Quote unquote," willingly, I don't think it's exactly very willing if she gives up. But right. it's under duress. Like if, but, yeah, if you're, but if it's a legal document or legal, okay, I give them right. up to you. Then, I feel however, like if, if you're being
1: coerced, it. then you know, yeah. <laughs> that and and intimidated and threatened and beaten, um, you know, then that's not quite legal. But if she mm-hmm. signs a legal document or something showing some type of transfer. Of ownership or publishing rights or something like that, then it would be kind of hard to argue. But but yeah, it's it's not quite on the up and up if she's being coerced and beaten yeah. and intimidated.
2: So yeah, I, what the end game here is exactly, I don't know. But I don't think Jim really thinks about that that much. No. He's more... No, tied up into what he views as the right thing that has to be done or, or whatever in his twisted mind,
1: right? Well, that helps answer it for me, too, because I'm like, you know, she's she goes off and leaves a lot, and it seems like this mm-hmm. building is not like the doors aren't even shut, like yeah. the doors are wide open. What's stopping anyone from just walking on in there with a freaking U Haul and taking off with all the papers? But you're right, I guess if they want them legally published they have to have her consent they have to have her signing off on them yeah and you're right they can't actually do that if they just you know went went up and stole them um, yeah they would immediately be taken out of publishing and nothing would happen with them and they they would be uh, essentially um, not getting what they want so you're mm-hmm. right that was a good point I thought of that myself I was yeah. like man she's just leaving them out in the open anybody could just walk up on in there and <laughs> steal this freaking box of papers but yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. Um, and then
2: his other kind of game here, which again, it's you think if you get the authorities involved at the right, in the right way, with the right severity, that you can take care of this situation. However, it is putting other loved ones at risk that usually is enough to get more more people to just go along with what you're doing. Even though there probably are safe ways to still make sure this person is taken care of, but when you're Thinking about you, your family, and the risks therein, you're going to be a little more careful. And so I noticed, you know, the note that he left with her after he left. And I, I had to pause it to get it, but I, I wrote mm-hmm. it down. It says, Miss, tend yourself by yourself. Tell anyone I was here and I'll kill you. But I will kill your sisters first. Believe this. Your friend, Jim Dandy. Your friend. And, ugh. <laughs> And he does. So he goes to Amanda's house first, which at first I was like, why is he going there? I guess he doesn't know about Amanda's situation. And he probably doesn't. So maybe he was expecting her to be there. Mm -hmm. And then Darla showing up was just kind of, you know, happenstance. But luckily nothing happened. But I was so on edge the whole time. Oh, gosh. When when Darla walks into the house, because I'm like, Jim's still there. I have a feeling. I know he's good at creeping around. And then. She goes in and she's getting all her goodies. She got the gun, but also like a taser. And yeah, it looked like maybe some mace or something. Yeah, and she loaded up. Like she was stocking up. And I was like, well, I'm glad that Jim didn't get his hand on any of those things. He didn't know where they were. Because he's not snooping much unless it's a kitchen.
1: Yeah, he's uh, hungry a lot.
2: Yeah, he just likes to eat other people's stuff all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But we do see he's just sitting in the bathroom in the dark. Just creepy. Thanks. I hate it, guys. glad he wasn't actually <laughs>
1: using it.
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <Like, laughs> as if it wasn't creepy enough that she would catch him in the middle of you know using mm-hmm. the
2: restroom. Ropes. Man, if she would have walked into that bathroom, like I don't even want to think about no. how he would have reacted. What would have happened to her? But yeah, he just he
1: didn't strolls even into Amanda's try to conceal himself mm-hmm. either. Like the no, doors he was are just open. sitting there. Like he's just sitting on mm-hmm. the commode. Like oh, she could. You're right. You know, stumble upon him at any moment.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, he just like waltzes into Amanda's house, eats her half-eaten hamburger and her Oreos, Not the Oreos.
1: which her Oreos, I
2: was almost kind Oreos. of a joke, but when she went in, yeah, I almost imagined, I almost pictured it going back to Amanda sitting at the pool and instead of going, oh no, Lisi! going, oh no, my Oreos. Yeah. But. the Oreos?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get
2: out of my Oreos! <laughs>
1: no! <Mustache. laughs> you monster! Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch the Oreos, man.
2: There's limits. Mm. I uh, am such a big fan of Oreos, and this show's kind of even though they've been surrounded in some creepy stuff. I love Oreos enough to where like I've been finally found the s'mores ones at Target. I couldn't find them anywhere else. And then me and Riley demolished an entire pack of those pretty quickly, and not even ashamed of it.
1: No, and you shouldn't be. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't tried them. Um, I don't even know if I've seen them, Uh, but uh, I think I need s'mores. Yeah, I think I need so good,
2: and now. I have a pack that I just bought yesterday They ate some of them last night. They're carrot cake ones. They're like a carrot cake cookie with like cream cheese frosting or whatever Shut in the up. middle. They're so Oreo? good. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Why did you have to tell me that? I love carrot cake and cream cheese. Does it, does it mm-hmm. taste like carrot cake and cream cheese? Yes. Frosting? Oh,
2: it's like the spice level and stuff on the cookies. is just, God. it's perfect. They're so good. <laughs> bye
1: my diet. Well, right. <laughs> the birthday cake Oreos are pretty damn amazing
2: too. You haven't had those
1: yet? Um,
2: I haven't had those ones.
1: Yeah. We're big fans of the birthday cake stuff around here, you know, birthday mm-hmm. cake ice cream and all that good stuff. Oh my God. Well, guess who's getting ready to go to the store after we get done recording? <laughs> week because holy shit. Right.
2: I know. It's like I'm just connecting to the character of Amanda so much through our love of Oreos. I'm like, yeah, she's onto something here. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I totally felt connected to her just seeing her stash of Oreos when Lisey opened mm-hmm. the doors to the cabinet and they just like fell out. I'm like, yep. Yep. I got you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I'm going to go. have to go check those out. Um, I love that. I think that was great. Um, well, my number one, we've talked about Scott, but, you know, I'm still feel like there's so much mystery still surrounding Scott, and I'm still trying to figure out, like, what is up with him and what happened to him. Um, you know, in life, he was this brilliant writer who was like constantly battling this trauma that he's experienced. And um, I feel like, you know, you were mentioning earlier about the long boy, like, what is it? And like, what does it represent? And I feel I could be wrong and I'm okay with that, that the long boy represents Scott's dark side. Um, The side that he's having to keep away and keep at a distance You know, like he he pushes it off to the side, but maybe he reaches to it every now and again when he goes to that place as he's writing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel like like artists have this good side or light side and dark side. Yeah. I feel like a lot of artists are kind of like that, and they sometimes creep over to their dark side a little bit for parts of their inspiration or if they go to that place, Mm -hmm. and then it comes out in their – you know, whatever it is that they're creating, whether they're a writer or a songwriter or whatever. Um, and I feel like that's that's what this long boy represents. And that yeah. you know, Scott goes to Booyah Moon for his stories. And this is where his creativity springs from. But he stuffs away the long boy there. You're like, you can't invade like my day-to-day life, right? You, who you have to stuff yourself over here and keep it over here and keep mm-hmm. it hidden um, but you know, it's kind of lurking there and it's always a part of him. And, you know, we find out, which I thought was kind of interesting as well about Booyah Moon and Scott, was like Scott doesn't even really understand fully what Booyah Moon Moon is. And you mentioned that too. He's still guessing at some things. Like he doesn't understand yeah. how the water connects the two worlds. He doesn't quite understand the other people there. He talks about how like they're everyone's full of despair you know, he doesn't even understand a lot of it. So I'm like, so this isn't just something that he's created. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, I don't know, just left with so many questions. Like what, what does all of it mean? Um, And we may not know, I don't think we're probably going to get the answers to that really, but you know, I just thought it was kind of interesting when he was, you know, trying to kind of figure out what, what the long boy is or what it represents. And I, to me, it feels like it's Scott's like dark side lurking Mm -hmm. under the surface there and he keeps him kind of stuffed over there and when scott goes to booyah moon for his ideas and stories that he comes up with that some of it kind of that's like his dark side and his trauma in a way yeah kind of manifesting it's a
2: yeah it's it's a lot a big piece of inspiration for things that are dark and i mean as he's a horror writer mm-hmm. like stephen king is what it looks to be like so right. yeah you want to pull from those kind of places but it's something that's easily if you get if you go back to it too much or you you stay with it too much it can kind of suck you in and, and really damage you mm-hmm. so that is a good yeah you mentioned you know even like musicians and stuff like some of my favorite bands and artists lyrically are very depressing yeah i like very depressing and dark music yes, a do. lot of the time and That's, and a lot of it is that I've, I've seen interviews and even in songs, they, you know, some of my favorite bands write songs about that process Mm -hmm. and where they're talking about like, I, you know, that they have to resort to the, this, like these modes of like depression and anxiety and anger and fear because it's what they know and they're able to pull from that and write good songs, but like they can get sucked back into it. And so even though it helps other people, you know, deal with those things constantly living in a place of that to pull that inspiration from can take a toll on the artist.
1: You are so right. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And we've lost lots of good artists because they've gotten too far Mm -hmm. in that side of things and weren't able to come back. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I feel that's true for, for lots of artists, writers too. And that's, that's kind of what I got from it. Um, And like I said, I could be wrong, but just what the way I'm, where i'm at now with the information that i have right now that's kind of where i'm at to- could be totally yeah. wrong but um so anyway that's my number one um cool. do you have any notes
2: i had one other note which is just another complaint about the believability of the police situation oh my and god. just to tie back to yes. what we talked about last week
1: oh my god where i was like okay
2: so jim was at that house like all night long is that what we're supposed to believe like Cause it seems like he was there in the evening when Darla left Mm -hmm. and then Lisey went in and he like tortured her all through the night. And then he went to Amanda's house and was there when Darla showed up there the next morning. So this was like an all night situation and still like, wouldn't they have handled the fire and then come back or sent somebody else to come within that time? I'm just like, they're really not taking this seriously. Are they?
1: No, no. And then (laughs) when the cop calls her, uh, later, and he's like, Are you okay? And she's like, Oh, yeah, I'm just sleepy. And he's like, Well, I just wanted to let you know so and so's down the street if you need anything. And mm-hmm. it's like, Wow, <laughs> really? She could have used... Couldn't have been here earlier. (laughs) Could have used some help, I don't know, an hour ago. I don't know how much time lapsed from the time. Yeah. You know, it felt like hours, I'm sure, because I think Mm -hmm. she was... Well, she was passed out from when he had the bag on her head, and he was waiting for her to wake up. And then I think when he beat her up, she, I think, passed out for a little while from, I'm sure, pain, understandably. Um, And then, you know... um, woke up later and who knows how long she sat there or laid there from the time that he left. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking, Oh, well, she could have used you hours ago. You know, I feel like you could at least go knock on the door and go, Hey, so-and-so had to leave. There was a call and that they had to go respond to, but I'm here. I'll be right down here, down the road. If you need anything, you know, instead of just parking Mm -hmm. there, I don't know, just a thought. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) Yeah. Way to go police uh, officers of this small town in fictional mm-hmm. um, Stephen King world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little bit about Darla, what the hell is going to happen to her. If anything, is she yeah. skating by? I mean, I don't know if, if he let her go or if, um, you know, he's just hanging out and scoping the place in case he needs to go after his sisters. Um we still don't know what happened to Paul. What the hell happened to Paul? Mm-hmm. Uh, we know he's dead, but how did he die? How old was he when he died? Scott yeah. buries him at Booyah Moon on Sweetheart Hill. But what the hell happened to him? What the hell happened to their dad? Still an outstanding question. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I wondered, got to thinking as uh, Jim Dooley's talking about how Lisey, like, well, all you did was keep his bed warm, you know, because this book seems to be pretty close to Stephen King, or he feels like it's some of the, like, he feels more connected to it than anything. And I feel Mm -hmm. like he takes some of what he knows and puts it into his books. I I wonder if you get the feeling that maybe some people have said similar things about Tabitha King that Mm -hmm. that, you know, Dooley said to Lisey. If things yeah. have been said to her like that over the years, man, I hope not. I, I hope not, <laughs> but, but I'm like how it just, but it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise how, me yeah. <laughs> um that I feel like Stephen King is probably over his very long career has seen some fans you know that are questionable and you know mm-hmm. um had some experiences that you know he may not always share details about. I mean, I yeah. feel like holy crap did Annie Wilkes just come from his imagination or did he have a little brush with something similar? Now I know someone didn't mm. like tank him and like, you know, not, you know, <laughs> keep him strapped to bed or something like that. But I feel like, yeah, is he ever, is that something he's been afraid of, you know, being a writer and having a fan that behaves in that way or whatever. But I feel like he takes things and kind of what he knows and puts some tastes of them in, in books. And I feel like what a shitty yeah. thing, you know, yeah, for he someone puts to a say. lot of
2: himself yeah, I'm sure, yeah, it could be an exaggerated version of, mm-hmm. oh, I met a fan who, it made me think that, like, oh, God, if this person had me alone in a house somewhere, that I might not make it out alive, you know? Yeah, totally. Or, But even, I just randomly thought, I mean, even The Shining is about a writer Oof, yeah. getting lost in his work too much and pulling that. So there is a lot of those things that King really pulls from his own Definitely. thoughts and experiences, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I cringed at that. I was like, man, I hope that that has never happened. Um, I hope that was just something fictional that he put in there. But I thought, mm-hmm. is that something that they could have experienced in his career where somebody may have said something similar you know, to yeah. his wife, um, Tabitha, who is a well-respected writer in her own right? Um, And such a terrible thing to say. I mean, just from clearly as much as what I'd like to think I know Stephen King, you know, I don't. Um, (laughs) I'm certainly not in their day to day life or anything, but I've read enough interviews with him over the years and, you know, they've been married for many, many years. What was it like when they got yeah, out of college? I think college? like 78 or something. Yeah. I mean, they've so been, it's like, it's been, it was long, like yeah. either in college or right out of college, you know, mm-hmm. they have been together and then been married and they have, you know, their children among them and grandchildren and they've had this long life together. And he has always spoken about her with such affection that I feel like the relationship that Lisi and Scott have in the book probably reflect pretty closely what he and Tabitha Mm -hmm. have this deep love and affection and respect and this true partnership and, you know, that they have. And I thought, God, how bad would that suck to think that maybe somebody in his career lifespan has said something like that to her and how hurtful that that would be not only to her, but to him, you know, because of how highly he thinks of her. And that's what really grates me about Jim Dooley. It's like, dude, you love Scott Landon so much. Like, you admire and respect him and put him on this high pedestal so much. How can you not have some level of respect for his wife? Like, right. Scott, you, you may not care for Lisi, but Scott Landon loved her and cared for her. So why is that not enough for you? Why can't you right. show her a level of respect? You know, even if you have... And I I get it. He's mentally unhinged. I get it. Okay, so maybe that's mm-hmm. what it is. But it seems like even meal who is a professor and a you know a professional person he doesn't seem to get that either when he made that comment and it's like dude yeah. that was his wife they were married for a very long time and for someone to say something like that i just felt was like just just trash <laughs> just bug <bugged> me <laughs> so i was like i hope that never happened you know in in life but um i couldn't help but think of it as i was um, as I was watching. So anyway, um, so that's actually all of my notes. Um, I think we covered pretty much everything as well. So,
0: um,
1: I didn't have any news for this week. Um, I didn't really see a whole lot out there. There wasn't a whole lot of news coverage, at least anything that really drew my attention. So, um, I think with that being said, uh, I think we'll go ahead into listener feedback. Um, do you want to take that first one for me?
2: All right. This first one comes from our good friend, Lindsay Schlick. Still hanging in there. (laughs) Yay, Lindsay! (laughs) Yay. She says, I don't really have any interesting or constructive feedback, as I spent most of this episode saying, what the fuck is going on now, to myself? Perhaps I should wait to leave feedback until I listen to your episodes and you can explain it all to me. (laughs) That being said, despite my irritation at being so confused, for some reason I am still enjoying the show, if for no other reason than wanting desperately to understand what in the world is happening. Since we are officially halfway done now, I'll likely stick it out with you guys. My only two comments. One, a pizza cutter. Wow. And two, the outside shots of the hotel for their honeymoon make me think so much of the Overlook. Coincidence? Intentional?
1: (laughs) I bet it's intentional because I feel like Stephen King has a thing for creepy hotels.
2: He does. That's my thoughts.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks, Lindsay, for sticking with us. And you know, you are saying that you spent most episodes saying what the fuck is going on now. Um, I kind of did too.
2: Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I mean, a a lot of us are explaining things for you on this podcast is just taking all of our what the fucks and then try putting them together into some kind of coherent thought. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I don't have it all figured out either, Lindsay. So um, and I don't know if I'm helping you helping anyone else. I feel like we're all just trying to kind of talk it out and make sense of it. Um, mm-hmm. I have no idea i'm I'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall here, you know, and so <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, I always appreciate having you <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, So we did get some email this week as well. The first one that we have is from Fran. She says, hi, just wanted to share that I've been enjoying your podcast on Lisey's story and can't wait for your discussion of this past week's episode. I'm a constant reader since about 76 or 77 when I read King's Salem's Lot. I've read them all and have quite a collection of both hardcover, softcover, and eBooks. I must say, I'm a bit disappointed that neither of you actually read this story. I'm sorry, Fran. Sorry. <laughs> um, she goes on, it would build on your discussions vastly, I think. But hey, the Apple TV show is so good that it's still amazing talk. They've done a spectac- spectacular job bringing the story to life. The hardcover is huge and the story just amazing. And oh man, the show's last episode just tore me up. LOL. I mean, it touched so much emotion. And oh dear God, the song. Please make sure you look up the original by the Cornelius brothers. Um, It's too late to turn back now. That scene of the band, awesome cover. Um, I was watching the episode through my Beats headphone and oh my God, the music, the song remembered so fondly just made me cry. I wonder if it did that for you. Um, It kind of did a little bit. Yeah. Um, The love they shared, the horror of what Lisey's going through combined with her grief, her trauma, her husband's trauma, her sister's. I'm not sure what you mentioned that the sister was triggered into her state by the betrayal of her husband. Um, well, it was all incredibly deep and so well acted. Too bad for those who can't get past first episode. They're lost. Dummies. LOL. <laughs> Again, can't wait till you discuss the latest episode. I wonder if Apple TV would do King's Duma Key. Another expansive, amazing story. Oh, good. Good thought there. Mm-hmm. Um and then she says, "And last thing, you mentioned Mayor of Easttown on HBO. My older sister had mentioned it. I was like, eh, whatever. But when you spoke of it, late, late Saturday night, I began watching. Was up till four a.m. Sunday. Thank you, thank you. And finished it, or I finished it Sunday night. Wow, amazing show. It hit every nerve in me. Spectacular acting. I love Kate Winslet ever since Titanic and Revolutionary Road." These actresses are just so special. Got to give them all their props. Did you watch Woman in the Window on Netflix? Another awesome adaptation of a great story. Again, the depths of trauma, family life, work, sanity, relationship, being able to cope or not, and surviving. Hating me in all of my 60-year-old bones, I tell you. Again, loving your chats. Keep it up. Avid listener as well as constant reader. Blessings, Fran in New York.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Fran.
1: What a wonderful email. Um, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. Fran, that we didn't read the book, but I feel like I'm kind of glad, I guess, um, that I don't know what to expect, I guess, from the story.
2: It's it's really interesting to to go into this week by week not knowing what's going to happen at all. So
1: maybe we'll circle back, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad – you know, that you enjoyed mayor of East town. I'm telling you, I can't get that show out of my head. I'm still thinking about it. And it was weeks <laughs> ago that the finale aired when I watched it and it was great. Um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Uh, and glad more of my recommendations paid off. I have not yet seen uh woman in the window. Have you seen that peak on Netflix, Amy Adams?
0: Uh-uh.
1: So was, I've seen it uh-uh. on, um, yeah. like trailers and, you know, when you, yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But- um, I haven't watched it. I'm intrigued because I love Amy Adams. I think she's great. I think she's Mm -hmm. a great actress. Um, But I wasn't sure about it. But you know what, Fran? You gave a great recommendation. I might have to uh, check that out this weekend. Thanks. Thanks, Fran. And thanks for being an avid listener. And it's good to hear from a constant reader as well.
2: All right. We have another email from my good friend, or our good friend, and then my other podcast Mm -hmm. co-host, Daphne. (laughs) Daphne. Who's been Hopefully I haven't read it. yeah, hopefully, yeah, she's got some differences and similarities to kind of help us through our, um, mm-hmm. you know, the book talk section of Daphne's email yep. here. <laughs> I love it. So she says, hi, Reman and Paik. I'm really enjoying your coverage of Lisey's story. Thank you for giving it a chance. I know this week's episode was a rough one. I've been expecting it, but I wasn't sure how King would decide to present this part of the story visually. I cringed when Lisey went into Scott's study because I knew it was coming. But to me, the book was even more descriptively brutal than what we witnessed on television. I have liked the changes so far, and I think it helps simplify things. So here are the differences in slim- and similarities. One, the pizza cutter. While it seemed more clever, I guess, for King to incorporate the pizza cutter since we saw it last week, in the book it was actually a can opener. The damage was also focused on her breast rather than just her chest. Ugh. Mm. Two, I'm happy to be corrected, but I don't think Jim Dooley ever went by Jim Dandy in the book. Dandy was a nickname that was assigned to Lisi's father, Dandy Dave DeBusher. Hmm. Three, the laughters... Or the laughers are strange, small creatures who live at the top of the trees in Booyah Moon, and like their name suggests, they are very noticeable by their creepy laughter. I'm hoping we will see this in the series, or they're very prevalent in the book. Oh, oh boy. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I would be interested to see what he does with that. But also, that sounds horrifying. Um, four, the Captain Black Magic yo-yo that Dooley plays with is not in the book, but I really appreciate that King is elaborating more on some of Scott's individual book themes and storylines, like Empty Devils. And five, Darla goes on to get Amanda's gun, but in the book, it's actually Lisey that takes it. Hmm. I'm saving a few things because they may still appear in the series, so I don't want to spoil it. If they don't happen or the character doesn't show up, I'll mention it when you cover the finale. Daphne.
1: Thanks, Daphne. Thank you. That helps. It's interesting to see those differences and similarities. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Daphne. Um, We got another email from Kelly. She says, hi, guys. I'm really enjoying listening to your discussions about the show. I read the book years ago, and unfortunately, it has always been my least favorite book of King's. It has such a different tone and pace than any of any of his other works. So I have a theory. King's wife, Tabitha, is a writer as well. I believe this book was actually written by her, but published by King as a special secret between them. King has published under pseudonyms in the past, has co-written works with both his sons. Collaborating with his wife would not be too far-fetched. He has always said it's his favorite work and treats it as more precious than his other books. Even the title feels like a clue that it's her story. I'm probably way off, but I like kind of like the idea of the secret between them. Kelly, a constant reader from Maine. Hmm. Hmm. I Interesting. mean, <laughs> look, I wouldn't put anything past Stephen King, because I feel like he enjoys right. he would enjoy something like that. You know, he and he has yeah. written under pseudonyms, but that came out later. He revealed that so. Would he not reveal this eventually too? I don't know. I don't know. But
2: It's an interesting thought for sure. But I do get
1: that this is – I've heard many times over about this book is how different it is than
2: mm-hmm. his other
1: ones. And just watching the series, even not having read the book, can tell how different this is from yeah. you know, other books of his that I've read. So you know what? At this point, I don't know. Um, I, I can't really <laughs> say that you're wrong, Kelly, because I don't know. I think it's a very interesting theory, though. Yeah. Look at all these constant readers writing into us. I love that. <laughs> I love it. You guys are awesome. Um, so we do have a couple of voicemails as well. First one that we have, um, our good friend Greg. Greg, I'm sorry. Um, you might have noticed if you listened to this la- last episode that your last voicemail um, I received it right after we recorded
2: <laughs> last week. So <laughs> we like finished recording and you're like, Oh, look, here's a like, oh, voicemail from Steve or from Greg. Yep. Now that we've ended.
1: All right. Yep. I was like, Oh crap. Um, so we thought, <laughs> well, we're going to include it no matter what. And we always say that we do. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, we just decided we go ahead and put it in this week's episode. So we do have, yeah. um, a voicemail here from our good friend, Greg, and this is on last week's episode, um, Episode three. So let's see what Greg has to say.
3: Hey guys. Uh, So I've got some, uh, some interesting viewpoints on uh, Mr. uh, Jim Dooley. Um, Specifically, like I won't get into it now, but like, I, I kind of feel like I know where it's going but I can't necessarily put it in words. Um, but I know I'm uh, maybe after I, I'm, I'm tall in I'm, I'm totally in. I want to know the rest of the story, but I don't know. All right. Anyway, I'm, I don't know if this is too late or not, but uh, look forward to the podcast. <laughs> Bye.
1: Hmm. I'm always intrigued when Greg says he has thoughts. He's so, yeah. <laughs> so good at usually figuring these things out. And I, I don't think I've asked him if he's read the book. I'll have to ask him.
2: Yeah. Cause he's a constant reader. He is a constant well,
1: reader, so. big King fan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we actually did funnily enough, just get his submission for episode four that just hey. came in. So how about
2: I'd say play it. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's
1: play it. I've got it. And, um, so, yeah, he had some things going on, so he just got this in, like, literally. So um, this is Greg's feedback on Episode 4.
3: The timing. Hey, Peg. Hey, Rima. This is Greg. All right, so Episode 4. I only have a couple things I really want to touch on because it felt like only a couple things really happened in this. Uh, the first half of the episode was the very brutal uh Uh, I don't know if you want to call it abuse scene, but the attack or whatever you want to call it. I mean, just it kind of got to me just like the sound of his hand hitting her over and over and over again. It was uh, uh, like brutal is, is, is the word. Um, And uh, then I, the pizza cutter, uh, that looked pretty, pretty wicked. Um, Anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about was like the other half of this was um sorry about the motorcycle or whatever. Um the the other half of this was basically just a bunch of memories. It was it, it seemed to me that it was Lisey realizing like basically the, the bouncing back and forth and the memories with Scott and the memories with uh Amanda and and so I I noticed it a couple a couple episodes ago when Paik mentioned it, where it was like, Oh, old Lisi is Julianne Moore. Mary, Julianne Moore was short hair. New or yeah, more recently, she is her with long hair. Or wait, or vice versa. So long hair and then short hair. Um, and now, uh, it's bouncing between a more recent time. But the idea that you I are able to identify by the bruises on her face and uh, and then no bruises. And so okay, this is this is Lisey from this time frame, and this is Lisey from that time frame. I thought it was really cool. Um, and I didn't even notice it, or I don't think I would have noticed unless Peg had mentioned it the other day. Um, all right, look forward to the rest of, uh, hearing you guys talk about it. Oh, by the way, bold prediction. I don't know, it's not spoiler because I haven't read the book, but, um, bold prediction <laughs> is that she finally figures out a way to access Booyah Moon and then she brings, uh, Jim Dooley there and gets eaten by the long boy. All right, cool. See you later. Bye. Ooh. Ooh.
1: <laughs> I knew uh, Greg wouldn't let me down with yeah. a, a prediction um he's so good at that and he thanks greg for answering my question i was curious if you had read the book or not yeah. and he just answered that oh that was good insight um and i'm glad that he's enjoying it i'm glad that he's all in yeah sweet thank you greg all right so we've got another voicemail here from our friend
0: steve Hey, strange indeed, Pekin and Rima. This is Steve, and this is for episode four of Lisey's Story. Uh, Just started it. I think I watched it already on Friday, but I don't remember. So I might not have actually watched the whole thing. I was was a little out of it, and still am a little bit uh, with this cold. Okay, maybe I didn't watch it, because I don't remember him uh, gagging her with the plastic bag. He knows her husband's works pretty well that quote right away and getting it right. Yeah, about Gene. He headbutts her and then does his creepy dance. This guy is weird. Well, that was unpleasant to watch. The beating of Julianne Moore. Well, that went from worse to worser with the pizza cutter. Oh, where are the police? Shouldn't they have come back by now? Like, I'm assuming it's been hours maybe not that long, but still Okay, the lighthouse thing is starting to creep me out Oh, there's the police They're still at the fire I almost had a moment of panic there My Apple TV <laughs> had issues just as the sister arrived at the house and I had to restart it and I was really hoping I wasn't going to re-watch the beginning of the episode but no, it's resumed for me Ew. Which house is he at now? I'm confused. Is this the sister's house or the other sister's house? Okay, it was the other sister's house. Oh, okay. I hope she doesn't have to cut him to get him to come back. Probably not. It probably can't come through. And now we get got the lighthouse again. Well, okay. Uh, help. Talk to you later.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it,
3: Steve
1: so good man no pressure paik well i guess we gotta come through oh
2: help yeah.
1: yeah we gotta
2: come through uh he he had some of the same thoughts that i did that were the police whoa, whoa, what's with this thing yeah probably not gonna come through probably, yet probably um not not uh, feeling
1: that uh confident in that answer <laughs> Wow. What a bunch of great feedback, you guys. Um, I I don't know if we're helping you or not. I I feel like you guys are helping me a little bit here um, by just joining our conversation. Um, I feel it takes all of us to kind of figure out what's going on here. And maybe um, you book readers who've read the books have more insight um, than what we do. But um, I'm kind of enjoying not really knowing what's happening. I kind of like, yeah. I mean, while I do enjoy books and then seeing those adaptations, if I've already read them, um, I kind of enjoy not knowing a little bit. I, I like not being spoiled and I like being surprised, at least in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. So, But this has been great. So thank you guys so much. I, I'm glad that you're enjoying the coverage. It is challenging, to say the least. Pake and I are definitely being challenged by the series, um, to say mm-hmm. the least. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, appreciate you guys hanging in there with yeah. us.
2: Um, yeah, it's challenging but i also am really loving it I love and it, i know yeah. i think a lot of the people online that i've seen that are having issues with it with the pacing or the confusing nature of it i think those problems don't affect me so much right. because i'm forced to to really critically think about it and dive in and like you know looking at it as a podcaster mm-hmm. I'm focusing a lot more than maybe some other casual viewers are. Right. And so I'm picking up on a lot of the little things that make it really cool to me. You are
1: right. It makes the difference. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we appreciate everyone that's stuck with us because I, I know I've read a lot of the same things too. And I I don't quite know if I fully understand why so many have an issue with it or that they've fully explained why they don't like it. I don't. I'm like well, yeah. but why? I don't know that you've answered the question as to why you don't like it or what's what you feel is wrong with it. So, I don't know. But we're digging it, and we're here. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Every week leaves me having to know what's going to happen next. I know. So. I know. It's doing its job for sure. It is
1: doing its job. That's for sure. So, with that being said, next week we will be covering episode five of Lisey's story titled "The Good Brother."
2: Oh, good. I'm. I'm hoping that means we get a lot of those S answers the questions you had about Paul this Mm -hmm. week.
1: Yeah, I feel that's a good, uh, again, no description, because I'm just going to try and stay away from that. But um, I feel it's a good indication that we're going to hopefully get some more backstory about Paul and Scott. Yeah. So anyway, Um, well, we are really excited that you have joined us to Booyah Moon, and we hope that you follow us on Twitter at Strange Cast.
2: You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And
1: you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app.
2: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts.
1: Lots of great stuff happening on Podcastica. Yeah. Daphne and Wendy and Jason wrapped up their coverage on Season 4 of The Handmaid's Tale. Wow. hmm Absolutely amazing yeah. season and amazing coverage. It was
2: so good. The coverage of the entire season, they did such a great job, including the episode that you were on, oh, was also good. I gave you some praise of that last yeah, week, too. But yeah, but the whole season coverage was awesome. Yeah. And for those who haven't seen it, uh, they posted on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. And I even shared some stuff. Uh, Bruce Miller, the showrunner and creator of The Handmaid's Tale himself. Retweeted House Podcastica saying it was an excellent podcast and was giving them some praise. That's incredible and congratulations to them for that. Yeah. Oh, so much. Well
1: deserved recognition indeed. Um, that was pretty amazing to get the recognition of the showrunner that he has been listening and paid attention and. Shared it mm-hmm. with all of his followers, so that was that yeah. was pretty awesome. So, congrats to Jason and Wendy yeah. and Daphne.
2: When I say creator, make sure you know it's like not not like the author of the books, or anything, but right. yeah, he was. But he's he's the one behind the creation of the show, turning it into a televised series, right? So, yeah, that was it. So, pretty yeah,
1: awesome. Congrats story. to them for their recognition, very well <laughs> deserved um, for their amazing coverage of the season. Um, and then, um, as I mentioned last week, they um, Jason. Wrapped up his coverage on Fear the Walking Dead um, of season six, so if you are interested in that, be sure to go check that out and stay tuned for um, you know what Jason will be covering next on uh, Walking Deadcast and on House Podcastica, um, and of course you know because we love um, a lot of great podcast content on here, we could we would be remiss if we did not mention Pake you um, your podcast with Daphne um, Run for Your Lives. Um, and what you guys are covering next, so you have a little tease for us this week,
2: yeah, so we did release last week The Impossible, which is pretty mm. heavy, moving wrenching,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, some great response from Good. that, and that I appreciate that, and so we go from the film debut of Tom Holland to another film debut of tippy because we are going way Ooh. back to 1963 and covering alfred hitchcock's the birds, birds. this week nice yes
1: classic <laughs> that's fantastic what a good choice
2: yeah it was a lot of fun
1: awesome well good well everyone be sure to check out um that episode along with all their episodes that um and daphne cover you guys pick some great ones and some that aren't quite so obvious some that are little that i haven't quite heard of so there's some interesting mm-hmm. choices out there that i think are really cool that you're kind of bringing some light you know to, yeah we to, like to expose to the world a little bit
2: we like to pick some interesting like indie films and stuff so yeah. anybody out there who listens to run for your lives if you know of some really kind of under the radar, good like mm. monster movies and disaster stuff and stuff that would be up our alley. Let us know because we love to find, you know, if there's a movie that we get to cover that me or Daphne has not seen yet, like neither of us have seen. Those are episodes we have a lot of fun with, is checking out something new. So, yeah, yeah always appreciate that.
1: Sweet.
2: <laughs> All right, then. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Until next time, I'm Reba. And I'm Haight. And Fran in New York is strange indeed.